Gather round, one and all, and listen to tales of excitement and adventure. Tales of daring heroes, savage monsters, and bards who just couldn't keep it in their pants. Tales of friendship, nobility, drunken foolishness, and unforgettable fun. These are tales of role-playing games, fair listeners, and this is Rollin' Bones. My name is Ryan Howard, and I shall be your god. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Rollin' Bones with Ryan Howard, your source for the best in RPG interviews. I am your host and King of the Boneheads, Ryan Howard, and uh, you might notice, contrary to my schedule, uh, I do not have an interview on tonight. Uh, I am flying solo, uh, just uh, just kind of winging it here. Um, something came up with the guest, not quite sure what... Uh, hopefully we'll hear about that soon. Uh, but yeah, uh, as it stands right now, I don't currently have a guest, and I'm just going to make the best of it. Uh, real quick, just want to make sure everyone can hear me on stream. Uh, let's see. Yes, I do have a fluffy guest in the background. Uh, I am joined by my cat, Nora, who is asleep on the bed. Good. It's good that I sound good, because uh, I don't feel good. Anyway, uh, so yeah, I am just going to kind of shoot my mouth off and see what happens. Uh, If anyone hates me after tonight's episode of me uh, winging it, uh, oh, I'm sorry. Okay. I'm also dangerously low on bourbon. Um, I only had enough for one finger. Uh, So yeah. Here we are. Uh, Cool. So, I have not done just an unplanned ramble session on this show in quite some time. Many of you may be surprised, especially those of you who are viewers of Danishes and Dragons, that I actually do prepare for most of my podcasts. Uh, But this is uh, kind of unique circumstances we find ourselves in tonight, so... Uh, here goes. Uh, real quick, I just want to give a couple shout-outs to some cool products that I've gotten recently uh, within the RPG world. Uh, one that I talked about a little bit when I got my first mini from them, uh, that's um, Eldritch Foundry. I got a second mini from them. I can uh, hold it up here. You guys will be seeing this one not too terribly long. Uh, I'll be painting it once I get some uh, some primer, some white primer on him. Uh, but this one is actually really cool in that uh, even though my tier did not come with the uh, the Kickstarter dial, uh, they have now released that as a feature on their... Oh, thank you. Thank you for joining us tonight, Loopy. But yeah, it, it does look really awesome. Uh, even though I didn't get it as a, uh, a Kickstarter backer, they've now released the uh, the Kickstarter base as a uh, an add-on that you can get for your minis that you order online. And what it is, for those of you who didn't 
hear my interview with uh, with Matt and Joseph all the way all the way back over over a year ago when I first started doing the show and we were audio only. Uh, this dial is a condition marker, and it it covers pretty much all of your major conditions. So when it's sitting on the map, uh, you know, and your character is blinded or poisoned or grappled or dead, you can indicate it with this uh, little dial here. I will post uh, better pictures of this dial when I've got some paint on it. I am going to do something rather ambitious and try to, uh, you know, give each of these symbols their own paint job. Uh, so we'll see how that goes. They're pretty raised up, and I've got decent brushes. So, uh, yeah, painting these uh, shouldn't be that big of an issue. Yes, Loopy, we are glad to have you uh, join us. And for anyone who is audio only... Uh, uh, listening, uh, there will be pictures of these minis on my Instagram. For anyone who's not following, that is at Howard underscore Ryan Gregg. And, uh, that's where I do all of my, uh, painting. Uh, Loopy, I tried to stream painting approximately once. It went terrible. And I need different equipment to do that. Uh, I should probably talk to Mike about how to set it up with what I've got right now. Mike Cousins from uh, Epic Duck. He he does a great job uh, with his streams. Uh, but th there might be some equipment that I just need to buy. The lighting in the room that I actually do the show in is not great, as many of you have probably noticed. Um, there is no overhead light in this room. Uh, it's only this lamp uh, that I have that's pointed at the wall so you guys can see most of my face. Um, so streaming painting is, is very, very difficult for me in this room. I'm doing this on a desktop, so moving my uh, computer to a different room is kind of out of the question. That's a long way of saying I will at some point try to do paint streams. Uh, today is not this day. It'll probably be after the uh, the holiday. I would greatly appreciate that. Uh, I, definitely, Loopy. If you can if you can send those, uh, I'll actually go ahead and drop the email address here in chat uh, for you and everyone to see. But yeah, if you can send those to... You guys get to hear my great mechanical keyboard here. There we go. All right. So yeah, the show email address is in the uh, the chat for those of you who can see it. Uh if you have any like content suggestions or uh, you know things you want me to try on stream or anything like that, uh, Roland Bones with Ryan at gmail.com is uh, that's the place to send the uh, suggestions. Uh, Loopy, let me know when you're doing those streams and I will stop by. It's it's always cool to to watch art streams. Those are fun. 
I'm always jumping on uh, on Mike's streams on Tuesday morning, so yeah, definitely let me know when that's happening, and we will uh, spread some of the Rolling Bones love your way. And uh, staying on Eldritch Foundry for just a second, they also uh, now have this uh, this complimentary D20 that they include with your uh, they include with your mini. Uh, I, I don't remember who actually makes their D20s, uh, but the 20 is a squid's uh, tentacle holding a hammer, which is kind of their symbol. Um, but it's really cool. I I really like what has happened with Eldritch Foundry. It's been a slow burn for them. Um, my big criticism of them when they first launched out of Kickstarter, uh, this this was I'm pretty sure this was the first Kickstarter I ever backed was Eldritch Foundry, and uh, it's been downhill since then as far as me just backing things left and right. I have lost count of how many Kickstarters I've backed in 2020, But I'm going to have some cool stuff coming in, uh, both RPG-related and non-RPG-related stuff. Uh, so I'll be excited to show you guys some of the physical stuff. I'll do, like, unboxing streams for physical Kickstarter stuff that comes in. And, uh, yes, I will I will drop in your chat, Loopy, and, and request that you, I don't know, draw Cromwell or Batman or something that I'm well-known for. But Eldritch Foundry, um, when they first launched, first of all, they had some issues with the... Uh, yes, Batwell. Batwell, definitely Batwell. But Eldritch Foundry, they, they had some issues with their... Um, kind of their, their back end as far as, you know, the application hosting and, and making sure things aren't broken. Um, you know, when you, when you launch, that was very early on though. They fixed that pretty quickly. My other gripe at that point was their selection in the very early stages as far as what you can put on your minis, um, you know, what kind of equipment you can give them poses, stuff like that was extremely limited. Um, and, and it stayed very limited for a very long time. Uh, there, there were simple things like cloaks that were just completely missing. Uh, you know, certain kind of articles of clothing that I felt would be pretty essential for you know, in, just any like common RPG mini just wasn't there. There weren't great options. I am happy to report, though, um, all of those have pretty much been resolved. Uh, they, you know, they've got some stuff coming in now. They're they're making regular updates to the platform, and their miniature quality is actually really, really good. One thing that they kind of excel at uh, that a lot of miniature companies actually are are pretty bad at is weapon scale. Um, I'll show you the other one that I've got here. Uh, audio people, again, you can see this. These are actually the same character, just in two different poses, because when I ordered this first one, they did not have two-handed poses, uh, but when I ordered the second one, they, they had just added them. So I 
made another mini, uh, just used my, uh, my second Kickstarter mini to, uh, make one with a, uh, two weapon pose. And then I just decided to change up the armor a little bit as well. But the, uh, the weapon scale on this is actually really, really good. It's, you know, it looks like he's got a, you know, decent sized katana in his hands. One that works really well with the size of the mini. It doesn't look too big. It doesn't look too tiny either. Uh, so yeah, that's, that's really good. And yeah, like Elfie said in the chat here, you really do have to hand it to them for making those improvements and, and really, uh, creating a good alternative to other miniature creators out there. You know, there's, there's Anvil, which is kind of like your dollar general of miniature, uh, creation, Sorry, it just is. Uh, and then you've got Hero Forge, which that's, I mean, that's your main one. That's the one that everyone uh, everyone goes to and everyone loves. At some point, what I'm going to start doing, uh, speaking of Hero Forge, and I can do this with Eldritch Foundry as well if you guys would rather see that. Um, but when I do character creation streams, I'm now going to create the miniature as well, uh, just to kind of give you guys a visual of, of what I would go for with uh, particular characters. Um, especially when it comes to weapons, because I get very into the minutia of what weapon does my guy use. I'm not a person who, when I create characters, I think, uh, this guy, you know, I, I want the thing that does the most damage. I think, you know, wh what aesthetically would this guy be using? Because you can tell me all day that a polearm is a better weapon than whatever I end up doing, but if I feel like this guy should have a sword and board, that's what I'm going to give him. Or if I feel like this guy should have a great sword rather than a polearm, that's what I'm going to give him. I don't really care about the mechanical advantages there for the most part. I'm not going to pick something that's actively suboptimal, uh, but I am going to pick what I think aesthetically fits with the particular build that I'm going for. Uh, Elfie actually was a good example of this in uh, the the Saturday game that I was running for, for a long time with, with her and some other friends of ours. Um, there was a point at which, uh, you know, with her being a, a dual-wielding rogue, there's a point at which I gave her uh, two rapiers. She was able to get uh, two rapiers... But the idea of, like, two stabbing weapons didn't fit with the aesthetic that she had for her character. And when I, you know, I was like, you're doing a D8 damage each time, she said, it doesn't, it feels weird. So I gave her magical scimitars instead. Because when you game with me, you will get magical items and you will like it. Uh, I am actually a pretty bad offender when it comes to being a Monty Hall GM. I love to give characters magic items. I love to like find stuff that will make your character awesome and give it to you, and then later complain about how I can't challenge you. <laughs> so yeah, like I, I've given... Yes, yes, I give a lot of magical items out, Loopy. I, I really do. I, I give tons out... I think I once gave a uh, six-level character a Staff of Thunder and Lightning. Um, 
so yeah, that's that's the kind of GM that I have. Elfie, I, I think you've heard my best backstory for a, a magic weapon. Uh, this wasn't one that I came up with. This was one that uh, was came up with for one of my characters. And then I'll tell another story about how I gave a bunch of magic weapons to some of my players because I thought this was cool, weird, but but ended up being actually really cool for the players. So my favorite backstory for a magic weapon... <laughs> oh, okay, I have to stop now because uh, for, for those of you on audio, Loopy had a wild magic axe that kept turning him into a plant. Um, for those of you who are unaware, the wild magic table for the sorcerers has some pretty crazy stuff on it. Uh, one of the things that happens is you can literally turn yourself into a potted plant. And so it sounds like uh, Loopy's GM here was just rolling, or had him roll on the wild magic surge table, and he kept turning into a plant. Uh, Joe, who was on here a while back, Joe Maldonado, he, uh, his most memorable character in my mind, Davarin, actually it's a bit of a toss-up whether Davarin or Balasar was more memorable, but Davarin was also a wild magic sorcerer, and he... I believe aged up 10 years once, aged down 20 years, and was pretty routinely blue from the wild magic table. I remember him being blue a lot. A lot, a lot. Like, I think most of the time we were playing, he somehow was blue just due to the amount of time it takes for that to wear wear off he turned into a potted plant once i only remember him him turning into a plant once but yeah the one that he kept landing on was uh he turned blue he landed on the one where all of your words come out of your mouth as bubbles a lot, and then he also landed on the I cast fireball on this area a lot. And as a frontline uh, damage dealer, I uh, actually he he always stood towards the back because he was a sorcerer and was casting range attacks. But I, I do remember having to use evasion a couple times to avoid a uh, a Daverin caused fireball. But yeah, the, the best weapon stories that I remember uh, for, for my character and then one that I came up with for uh, that same party that uh, that Joe was playing Balasar in, that, that was my first campaign that I ever ran. Um, the best one that was ever come up with for me was when Muhammad gave me the, uh, the Cursed Scimitar. It was a plus two longsword that it, it was basically like a giant scimitar with a like bifurcated blade at the top. And it split into two plus one scimitars. And Cromwell, who I was playing at the time, is a two weapon fighter. And, uh, 
basically, I, I saw this and I had that new D and D player moment of that weapon is made for me. It's mine. Uh, I wasn't rude to any of the players. I was like, okay, do, do any of you want that? Cause I really want that. And I grabbed it. I attuned to it and it took over my mind and I failed my wisdom saving throw. So, so Luby, you're saying that your, uh, you're saying that your barbarian got fireballed a few times. Is is that am I am I reading that correctly? Because that sounds about right. That yeah, that sounds about right. But anyway, this thing, um, Muhammad had actually intended for this NPC, who I believe was half dwarf, half orc to be a recurring nemesis for Cromwell. He w- he was kind of supposed to be like my dark th- my dark antithesis. Gotcha. Gotcha. So yeah, you were the barbarian in this case. Which is cool. It's cool to always have, you know, like or to sometimes you hit something with an axe and then fireball. That's yeah. That's awesome. But on the other side, you could turn into a potted plant. So, yeah. Or turn blue. Or be aged up by a certain amount. Or if you're using the D1000 uh, Wild Magic Surge table that Austin was using in his campaign, you could flood Waterdeep. That... It, it never ceases to amaze me how I left that group and within a month, in one campaign, the party was split across two different timelines, and in the other campaign, Waterdeep got hit by a tsunami. Because they always told me, you know, like, that, that I was the grounding force in the game. I was the one who would play the reasonable characters that would, like, bring people together. And I was always like, I appreciate it, guys. I, I love it. You know, I I love the the characters that we play. I I like to be you know the 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 kind of character that brings people together and reminds everyone of how our goals align with each other. Uh, but on the other hand, I did not expect to see it play out quite so literally in in their games as soon as I uh, as soon as I left. So. Muhammad intended this guy, this this half-dwarf, half-orc, and I can't remember what his name was, because he was only around for one session. This was supposed to be a recurring bad guy. Muhammad forgot the principle of plot armor for your, uh, your recurring bad guys, which, again, there might be some, some splitting of hairs there as to whether or not you should put plot armor on NPCs that you intend to use. Uh, that's a whole nother subject. But Muhammad did not have any plot armor on this guy. So uh, David, who's also been on the show, Piper, Piper was a boss killer. This was where Piper established himself as the boss killer because he rapiered this guy in the throat and killed him. And Muhammad was sitting there going, that that was... Uh, okay, he's dead. He's dead. 
He was about to reveal it to us, but then, no, he's gone. He's out. He's gone. There's, there's no getting out of this. He got stabbed in the throat, so he's gone, and I got his swords. But Muhammad got back at me because this guy's ghost inhabited these swords and took over my mind and basically turned Cromwell into a killing machine while he traveled through the Underdark. I feel at this point I must remind everyone I had not read the Dritz Duerden books when I was playing Cromwell. Um, I was not aware that that storyline had played out in an R.A. Salvatore novel. I did not know anything about Forgotten Realms. So it's merely a coincidence that my two-weapon ranger ended up trekking through the Underdark dealing with his uh dealing with his like evil alter ego trying to take over his mind and convince him to to just like kill to survive and stuff like that <laughs> because that was the story that happened with Cromwell my two weapon fighting ranger was battling his inner demons uh that were trying to convince him to kill everything and and isolate himself <laughs> And then two years later, when I read, I think the book is called Exile, uh, the uh, the prequel about Dritzt, uh, just kind of wandering through the Underdark after he leaves the, the drow, I was like, oh, I accidentally stole something. And yes, Elfie is right. I uh, have not read any of the Harry Potter books. Uh, I actively avoid reading the Harry Potter books because there's an insurmountable level of hype surrounding them. I did not grow up with them. Uh, so I feel like if I read them as an adult, after every all of the you know pop culture hullabaloo that has surrounded harry potter i feel like if i read them i would only be disappointed and i also hate teenagers so there's that i i don't really like anything that's about teenagers except for teen titans and x-men i am glad that i'm not alone i appreciate that loopy i i really do appreciate the fact that i i'm not the only one here who has not read um Harry Potter. And no, I have not read Twilight either. So yes, if if you want to throw sparkly vampires into your game that you're running that I'm in, uh yeah, you can you can throw me for a loop there. I do know the reference. So if you've got sparkly vampires, uh rather than attacking them with traditional vampire slaying methods, I'm just going to attack them with melodrama. And uh, tell them that a uh, a werewolf is trying to uh, trying to sleep with their girlfriend, and I will uh, let them self destruct from there. <sighs> Seems like the best way to uh, to take out a Twilight vampire. <clears throat> yeah, Loopy, I, I honestly have to agree with you there. They they do more resemble the Fae than they do actual vampires because uh, they don't really have any hang-ups about sunlight except for sparkling 
and they're kind of more uh like sex demons than actual vampires uh there there's even a, a running theory well not not a like full on running theory but like a, a joke fan theory within the Dresden Files fandom that the white court of vampires for anyone who's familiar with Dresden Files lore um anyone who's not basically they are uh incubus and succubus or incubi and succubi to be uh proper with our latin there uh they basically feed off of like lust instead of blood and the theory is that they put out twilight as propaganda to encourage people to uh to encourage people to like copulate with white court vampires it's not been shot down by uh by jim butcher but uh confirming that within the pages of the dresden files would probably uh raise some hackles within the stephanie meyer camp And yeah, as Loopy is saying in in chat here, uh, apparently the Twilight vampires more closely match a uh, a fairy associated with Celtic folklore than they do actual vampire folklore. Um, I'm not very familiar with Celtic folklore, unfortunately, uh, which is weird because I am from a Celtic background. I uh, I come from a very very Scottish and very Irish line of people on both my mother's and my father's side. I just don't know anything about their myths except for what's in the first two Iron Druid books. And uh, Elfie, Elfie might get mad at me for saying this, but Iron Druid is far and away inferior to Dresden Files. And yes, yes, I am I am acutely aware, uh, Loopy, of of the Fey antics. Uh, but yes, they yes, those are some shenanigans. Uh, yeah, the Fey. That, that's some interesting lore there. Anyway, the other uh, the other magic weapon story that I wanted to tell. This one's actually pretty brief. But we were in the first campaign that I was GMing. We were coming up on the very end. And um, basically, they were getting ready to fight the big bad evil of the campaign, which was a Balor. Uh, I love the Balor. It's one of my favorite like big monsters from 5e. Again, for anyone not familiar, it's a Balrog from Lord of the Rings. Uh, it's it's the Balor of Celtic mythology, essentially. It's this big winged demon with a fire whip and a uh, a lightning sword. Actually, no, it's a lightning whip and a fire sword. In uh, in the monster manual, but no, this um, they were gearing up for this. And I had not given them many magic weapons by this point. Um, they'd had plenty of other magical items, but they didn't have like magic weapons, and they were getting ready to have a run-in with this giant demon. 
So what I did, we had a forge cleric, Felix. This was Austin's like fifth character in the game. Uh, his characters weren't dying. He was just getting very bored with them or they weren't clicking with the party. He switched characters a lot in my campaign. In Muhammad's campaign, they ended up actually dying, uh, a, a couple of them, dying or finding themselves at odds with the party and having to leave. But this was uh, this was Austin's most recent character and the one that he finished with. Um, but he was a forge cleric. And again, forge clerics are... Uh, they have a tendency to be stupid broken if you are uh, not careful with uh, the, the rules that you put on their spell. Yes, the she, that's, yeah. That makes sense. And again, I'm in my head, Loopy, I'm conflating Dresden Files lore with actual mythology. And in the Dresden Files, uh, Jim Butcher broadly refers to both the summer and the winter court of the Fae as the she. But yes, there there is a separate entity within Celtic mythology called the She. Um, but again, it's just a difference between an urban fantasy series and actual lore. So, Forge Cleric, Felix, uh, they had gone through this puzzle chamber and entered into this like grand old armory. And in this armory, uh, there were actually two clerics in the party and a paladin. So we had, like, three characters that were very tied to faith and oaths and, and had deep religious convictions. And so what ended up happening was all three of their gods showed up at the same time. And this is very kind of deus ex machina-y, but it was also very cool in the moment because what had happened in the campaign was they had like gotten sidetracked and ended up going down this one path. And when they got back to the main city, it was overrun by the forces of the abyss. Uh, there were demons marching through the streets this, like, demon lord was actively lording over the city. His, like, giant form visible in the distance. As he, you know, like, ruled with an iron fist over this capital that had been granted to him by a, uh, a, a vizier that made a deal with the devil, basically. And so, literally, it was these eight characters against the entire forces of hell. And so I tried to give them a little bit of an advantage with these, these gods that they had in their corner. And so what happens is pretty much the next thing is they've got to go in there and they've got to find a way to confront this Balor. So the gods show up and the forge God, uh, dominates Felix's mind by hitting him in the head with his magic hammer. And through the forge god, the other two gods are able to forge out these weapons for the rest of the party. 
And so Felix is like there hammering and, you know, I told Austin, I was like, you're going to lose control of your character here for a minute. Is that okay? He's like, yeah, sure. So we play it out. And I have these gods forge these items for uh, their, their avatars and for their companions as well. So uh, Ashley's character at the time, uh, ooh, I just forgot Ashley's character. Um, she was a she was a Tabaxi Horizon Walker Ranger. And uh, that that character was great because she was very naive, didn't know much about the world. And Ashley in, in role playing was like writing notes from her character's perspective. And uh, she had this really like childlike character, but it wasn't annoying. It actually ended up being like pretty, pretty cool in the way that she interacted with uh with the world around her was actually great, but she got an oath bow. Uh, Muhammad was playing a paladin. He got a holy avenger. David was a cleric of knowledge. All clerics, I feel like, should get the uh, the rod of lordly might. It's the best item you can possibly get as a cleric. It becomes multiple different weapons. You're proficient with it, even if you're not proficient with martial weapons. It's it's a badass epic level weapon that any cleric who gets sufficiently high in level should be seeking out. And I will give it to any cleric in my party once I feel like they're ready uh, to, to have that kind of thing. Uh, in fact, in my Saturday game uh, with, with one of the players uh, who, who ended up dropping, I was planting the seeds of her character getting the uh, the Rod of Lordly Might all the way in the first dungeon that uh, we went through. The idea was that she was going to collect these various pages that detailed the different parts of the weapon, and then she would be able to forge this weapon herself and uh, you know have access to it when the final battle comes. Or when the lead-up to the final battle comes, because you, you want to have some time with your badass weapon. Anyway, uh, he ends up forging out this uh, the special hammer. I think it's actually in the, uh, the Dungeon Master's Guide. But this hammer, um, I, it dealt extra damage to constructs. Um, I, I can't for the life of me remember what it was called. I'd grab my Dungeon Master's Guide, but it's all the way over there. And uh, I don't want to grab it and disrupt the stream. Anyway, um, that's what happened. Uh, the, these gods came down and and granted these boons to their followers who had been faithful throughout the campaign. So on one hand, it was a deus ex machina moment. But on the other hand, it also felt like something that, from my perspective as a dungeon master, these had been good players, and they, you know, had shown devotion to their principles, to the oaths that they made to their gods, and it felt right 
to give them the weapons and give them the weapons in this way. Uh, so even though I wouldn't recommend doing that on a regular basis, uh, and I definitely would not recommend like having a god come in in the middle of a fight and ending it for the players, especially if it's a climactic fight. But in that moment, having the gods intervene and and give something to their their loyal servants was a good moment in my opinion it felt like the right thing to do at the time and uh the players loved it 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 was a fun session for them um they loved actually having the chance to talk face to face with their gods uh austin loved the idea that you know he was able to forge these uh these weapons i told him that he lost the knowledge afterwards because i immediately knew as soon like if i granted him the ability to remember making these weapons he was going to make like 50 of each and sell them and they'd be swimming in gold even if i applied standard crafting rules even if he just made one of each he'd be swimming in gold so i had to put the kibosh on that but all in all it turned out great and so that was the uh the magic weapons. The flaming, flaming, poisoning, raging sword of doom. I I don't remember that. Was that something I talked about? Is that a reference? Is this some Harry Potter stuff? Oh, I know you haven't read Harry Potter, so never mind. A Taz reference. Is this Taz the Tasmanian Devil or is this Taz the Wrestler? Okay, Adventure Zone. Gotcha. I actually did not watch that growing up, so... So there's that. Um, another product that I want to shout out here real quick that I got recently... Hey, Carl! How you doing? Okay, gotcha. Yeah, I have not listened to the Adventure Zone. Um, should I listen to the Adventure Zone? Yes. Yeah, you can. You can steal the plot of Adventure Zone. You can also steal the plot of Critical Role to break out on me. I I still have not watched a single second of Critical Role, and I know for some of you that means I need to turn in my GM card. But I've not watched any of it. And I honestly don't know where to start with it. It seems pretty, like, impenetrable. Gotcha, that that does sound interesting, Loopy. Overpowered magical item... They got from Conning Garfield the Deals Warlock from Fantasy Costco. Oh, is Fantasy Costco like real Costco? Because if it is, I don't want to go. 
because my experience with real Costco is largely uh, every time I go there, it is one full of people, and two uh, the the people who are there largely fall into three categories. Uh, that being foreigners, old people, and foreign old people. Yeah, there's nowhere to park your horse. Uh, there's a line all the way out into the other uh, into the other parking lots to uh, to feed your horses. And as you are walking through Fantasy Costco, people are constantly running over you with carts. So I just imagine that, like, Fantasy Costco is full of, like, orcs walking around, just being like, move out of my way. As you're, like, looking at the, the pretzels, and they're trying to get past you. All the carts are too big. There's way too much food there. You're like, why would I ever need... 65 sets of rations. I guess I'll get it, though. Yes, yeah, that's real Costco, yeah. I'm just imagining real Costco in a fantasy environment, though, Elfie. And that's that's where this nightmare scenario comes from. Yeah, the orcs, yes. Yeah, every, all, like, all other people. Everyone who's not me and Elfie... At Costco <laughs> is basically just like a horde of orcs. It's like living with a horde of orcs. Uh, Carl, we are actually not covering anything today. I was supposed to have an interview uh, with someone from Nord Games to talk about their ultimate bestiary miniatures, uh, but something came up, not sure what. Um, and so we got off to a little bit of a late start here. Uh, so this is just me shooting from the hip, uh, you know, telling RPG stories, talking about some of the products that I got recently. Um, just kind of ranting, just, just, just going crazy, doing my thing. I have had less bourbon than usual. Uh, I only had a finger instead of two. Uh, so that, uh, that made me cranky, but we are having fun here. So uh, we're just we're just kind of shooting the breeze here, and we are definitely taking a minus five penalty to our to hit to add ten to our damage uh, using the sharpshooter feat. So. Uh, Fantasy or real Costco, notwithstanding, uh, another product that I wanted to talk about <laughs> is uh, I actually recently, for, for people who are already like well-versed in, in miniatures, this is not a new product to you. Uh, in fact, this is, this is like a rather old product. Uh, but I recently got my first figures from uh, Dark Sword Miniatures, which I'll hold up this card here. Um... Dark Sword Miniatures, uh, these things, they, like I said, they, they're an old company. They've been around since 2002. Uh, 
but these are some of the like best quality miniatures I have ever gotten my hands on. These things are fantastic. Um, and again, I'll be putting picture the, pictures of these things on my Instagram when I'm painting them. Uh, but just to show you guys some examples of what I've got, I've got this uh, this uh, female ranger woman with a bow. Uh, somewhere between an elf and a Native American, somewhere in, in that neighborhood. Uh, and she is awesome. She's real, like, cool, dynamic pose. I added the arrow, uh, just so you guys know. that That's not something that comes on the miniature. I added that afterwards. I'll put a bowstring on it, too. Um, but yeah, that that's great. Um... One that I really loved, and, and I'm glad they had, they had this, uh, like, Highlander Barbarian figure who's wearing a kilt, which, again, as a, as a proud, uh, as a proud Scotsman, that's definitely, uh, something that, that I love, the fact that I now have a Highlander miniature. Actually, I have two. All right, so what's what's this going on in chat? Uh, dungeons, diners, dragons, dive-ins, and dives. I've seen that t-shirt, but... Uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm not sure what's going on there, Loopy. Uh, Carl, it is cool that you're getting into solo RPGs, though. That's, uh... Oh, Wait, wait, someone made a D&D &D system around that? I thought it was just like an in-joke. I thought that was, I literally thought it was just a t-shirt with Guy Fieri on the dragon's face. That's, that's actually pretty cool. But Carl, it's, it's cool that you're, uh, you're still gaming and, uh, you know, you know, playing some solo RPGs. I I've considered it, but I feel like I'd just get very lonely, and end up having arguments with myself. I feel like I would have to play my own rules lawyer at that point. Otherwise, it just wouldn't feel like an RPG. That's actually not fair because I've never had a player be a rules lawyer, or a true rules lawyer. I've had the uh, what I call the the David conversations, named after David Holland, uh, who's who's been on the show before, and that's can I do this? GM, no. David, why not? GM, here's passages from the uh, the player's handbook and the DMG explaining why you can't do that. David, but it would be cool. That's the uh, the closest I've ever had to rules lawyering, which again is not true rules lawyering. It's it's quibbling over the rule of cool more than anything else. So, Loopy, you're saying that Dungeons, Diners, Dragons, Divins, and Dives is actually not cool? And and Elfie, specifically, what I'm referring to. Is uh, 
specifically what I'm referring to with this story was David wanting the, uh, the, I think it was boots of flying and an invisibility cloak while he was casting fireball so he could become a stealth bomber. That was the, that was what he was angling for. And mechanically with that one, there's not anything really wrong there except for the fact that when you're dropping fireballs, people will then be able to see you. I guess unless you cast greater invisibility. The problem was he was already attuned to too many magical items that he was not willing to give up. And so, okay, all right. So it's it's good that that is actually a cool system and it's not just a t-shirt. I'm very glad uh, that, that someone... Has been very enterprising. Now we just need a stream where Guy Fieri plays it. And Carl, I don't know how a Borderlands tabletop RPG would work. I honestly don't know how you would translate those two things into like a like into a good coherent gaming experience. And I am actually pretty ignorant about Borderlands. I haven't played it. Um, but from what I understand, it's a looter shooter. So the whole thing, uh, the loot aspect is there in RPGs. But like the, the shooting thing and the, the capturing of the, the humor in Borderlands and and... You know, making you feel the same way that you feel in the actual game. I don't know that that's possible with a tabletop experience. And I did not know that Borderlands had a D&D DLC. Again, never played Borderlands. Which Borderlands has the D&D DLC? If it's the first one, I might actually give it a go. But if it's like Borderlands 3, no. I don't have to consume... Okay, Borderlands 2. Gotcha. So yeah, I, I've considered playing Borderlands before. I've got a friend I work with who is uh, like super adamant that I play Borderlands. I have not seen that stream. I, I haven't, so... Uh, Honestly, that, that kind of remains to be seen, how, how you would make that work. All right, everyone, uh, as a quick interlude, because this almost never happens, uh, I am joined now in second chair here live in studio by Ronan, who is looking away from the camera in his continued dedication to not be on stream. But... Ronan was making noise with the treat bag, and he is sitting here uh, being a good boy, not running away from the camera, so I will give him some treats for hanging out and, and being a, a general sweetheart. So... Everyone, this is Ronan. Ronan is very good at avoiding work meetings. 
He generally does not like to be on any kind of live camera. And if you guys watch me pet him here for a little bit, you might actually see him take a bite at me. So, we will do that. Unless you guys want me to keep it on the kitty. If you are sick and tired of watching my ugly mug, and you just want me to point the camera at the kitty, we can do the rest of the stream with kitten cam, as long as he stays there. Oh, you guys missed it. He swatted at me. There we go. Typically when he swats, he's about ready to leave, so he, he might actually peace out here in just a little bit. But for the time being, we have our Rony Pony. He is here, and I love him. And he's a great guest. Ronan, uh, do you have any particularly strong opinions about RPGs? Uh, would you like to tell us about uh, how you got into RPGs? He's not feeling especially chatty tonight. So... I mean, typically, he's actually kind of vocal. He likes to meow and call attention to himself. Usually, he announces himself when he comes in. Oh, we got this drive through link here. Let's go ahead and open this bad boy up. See what we got here. Monsters of Mirka, Restaurants and Retail. Love it. Love it, love it, love it. Yep. Yeah, Ronan's favorite way of fighting D&D monsters is by jumping up on this uh, shelf over here that I have all these minis on. Not the one behind me. He has not tried to knock that thing down. Although Nora did throw up on it once. Uh, it was not on the wall when she threw up on it. It, it was sitting on the bed, but she did that once. Um, but yeah, Ronan has not tried to jump up there and knock down any of my monsters. She did have a hairball. I understand it. I'm not, I'm not mad at Nora. I can't be mad at Nora. But yeah, she... Uh, she did, at one point, blow chunks on, on my miniatures. They're all fine, though. Nothing got ruined. Uh, but yeah, Ronan will jump up on the shelf uh, just to be up there. He's not particularly interested in knocking things over. It's just the byproduct of there are so many miniatures up there, and he's kind of a big boy. So when he gets up there, it's just... And I have to then corral the miniatures. No, he does actively go after your ducks, Elfie. Elfie has a shelf of ducks out on our bookshelf. Um, just all these different uh, rubber ducks of various designs. There's one that's supposed to look like a samurai that looks more like Judge Dredd. We call it Judge Duck or Duck Dredd. And uh, he's my favorite uh, because I pulled him out of a crane game uh, back when Elfie and I were still dating. And... Uh, yeah, 
he likes to uh, he likes to get up there behind the ducks. He jumps up there and just knocks him over. And when he knocks them over, he'll look at one and he'll go, and then knock it over. It's typically only like one to three that he'll knock down, but he likes his ducks in a row so he can knock them over. Yes, Duck Dread. Duck Dread is on my bookshelf. because, And that's something I have not talked about on the show, how much I love... Uh, Judge Dredd. Judge Dredd is, is one of my favorite uh, properties. And yeah, Elfie, I, I was angling to get Carl Urban to sign it, but the timing didn't work out when I went to Dragon Con last. So uh, yeah, that has gone unsigned. But someday, someday Carl Urban will sign our rubber duck that looks like Judge Dredd. And Elfie is actually kind enough to uh, to have thrown Duck Tread to me so I can show you guys on stream here what, what this thing looks like. You can tell it's supposed to be a samurai, kinda, but it looks like Judge Dredd. It really does. So, Duck Dredd, he is the law. He doesn't have a good squeaker on him. There we go. Oh, come on. That was a great throw. Cool. So, yeah. Uh, Carl, if you have the connection to Elm 1996, like if, if you know them uh, personally, just uh, let me know because I would be interested to have, have them on the show. And, and talk about world building and stuff like that and and even just you know i'll, I'll probably tune into the streams because world building is pretty fascinating uh, it's a cool part of DD. it's it's one of my favorite parts as a gm to understand kind of the world that i'm throwing my players into in fact uh it shouldn't be too terribly long now uh once once tim is kind of through uh, the the wind down from the current uh, Knights and Nerds game. Um, he is going to. We've already recorded the episode, but he is going to uh, put up an episode that we recorded of me helping him world build for the next campaign. And I'm actually pretty proud of what we did there. We had a lot of cool conversations, especially about beholders. Just to throw out some teasers there. Uh, I love Beholders. I think they're cool. But yeah, that's... Uh, that's something that's coming up, is, is Tim and I talking about world building. So having a, uh, having a conversation on here with someone else who, who does that kind of stuff would, would be a lot of fun. So yeah, uh, let's see. We have talked about uh, Eldritch Foundry miniatures. We've talked about Dark Sword miniatures. We have had a massive tangent on magic items and ducks. I have shown you Ronin. I've shown you Nora. Uh, what else can we talk about here? Um, 
I mean, one thing that's that's really kind of been hanging heavy on me recently is burnout from virtual RPGs. Um, oh, we will switch tracks right now because, Carl, I want to know more about that TTRPG that you're working on right now. Uh, drop some, drop some details in chat and we can, we can have a discussion around that. Uh, we, we can come back to the, the conversation about burnout of virtual gaming in just a little bit, but I, I do want to hear some details about, uh, this, this RPG that you're working on here, Carl. Especially if uh, if you're trying to break into the fantasy side of things, or if you are uh, if you're uh, kind of cutting a new trail there. Because if you're doing fantasy, one, I applaud you for uh, for doing that. That's 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 some bravery. There's a lot of stiff competition there. Um, and I, I'd be curious about what your uh, what your particular angle is there. But if it's not, then I'm also interested to hear what path you're taking there. Let's see what we've got here. Terazel. Cool, cool. Gotcha. So we do have a, a fantasy RPG here, which is, uh, it's again, it's cool. It looks like you've got, uh, I mean, I'd have to go over this like in, in detail to, to kind of dig out your, uh, your specific, uh, hooks there myself, but it looks like you you've got some some interesting ideas about uh, character creation and and random generation and stuff like that. So it also looks very streamlined. I don't know if you are actively adding to it as we are working on this, or if you are uh, if if what you've got on those early uh, character creation pages is is kind of the the long and short of it. I'd be interested to, to see how that develops. And, uh, yeah. I mean, what... Gotcha. Yeah, uh, th there's nothing quite like having your work exposed to the public to uh, to see just kind of, you know, what, what errors were made and stuff like that. I've had a couple people... Uh, who I've reviewed their work on the show here, when they come on to talk about it, they're like, oh yeah, I completely forgot about that. I forgot that was there. Yep. Yeah, one of the best ways to find a million typos that you forgot about is to just open it up. Sunlight's the best disinfectant as far as that goes. Just show, show the world your work and let them let them pull it apart 
So yeah, Carl, I will take a look at this, and uh, I mean, we we can discuss. You know, you coming on to talk about it a little bit as well. Uh, we can we can definitely set that up at uh, some point. Go ahead and drop the the time and the link here in chat, and uh, we can. Uh, I mean, if we we're, we're probably going to end here in just a little bit, but we can we can raid if it ends up uh, not being super. Uh, not being super late, uh, my time. I do I do go to bed kind of early because I'm an old man and I like to wake up early. I say I'm an old man. I'm 24. So yeah, uh, Loopy, to to address your question there about good beginner campaigns for new DMs, uh, the best one if you're in fifth edition is Lost Minds of Fandelver. It's the starter set. It's Real easy for if you have beginners on both sides of the screen. It really does walk you through, uh, you know, this is what you're supposed to do here. This is where you find these rules. Here's a reference sheet for how to do stuff like this. It, it really is like a, a crash course in running an adventure all in one module. So, uh, yeah, that's that's really a good place to begin is uh, Lost Minds of Fandelver. Gotcha, Carl. So, yeah, that's that's going to end up being yeah, you're, you're 12 hours. <laughs> you're 12 hours ahead of me. So, yes, you it'll be the middle of the day uh, before I'm able to to do that. So, yeah, <laughs> actually middle of the night, probably. Um, so yeah, needless to say, we're not going to be able to raid. Yes, lunchtime stream. I'm not going to stream my lunch hour, uh, cause my lunch hour mostly consists of me either watching true crime documentaries or the boys, depending on whether or not, uh, Elfie is home. Because the boys is something that I invested uh, kind of my own time in, and I know it's something she would hate, but I love it. So I don't I don't watch it while uh, while she's here. Yeah, yeah, I love the boys. I love the boys, Loopy. It's it's a great show. I love Garth Ennis. Uh, I've got some of the preacher books over here. His Punisher run is the best Punisher run ever. Both of them. Um, and and I I love anything he does. So yeah, the the boys. Oh yes, yeah. Uh, for anyone who's not watched the boys, uh, not with your kids, and uh, probably not with your parents either. Uh, and and make sure you've got a strong stomach for uh, for gore and for sex and for just people being terrible people because the boys is not a show with a sunny outlook on on life or uh or superheroes uh well well carl good morning to you um i hope you've had your coffee 
and yes, uh, for anyone for anyone who cares, uh, the Rony Pony is still very much with me. He is here in the chair, and I love him. Yeah, it, it is kind of like the dark timeline uh, where, where Superman loses Lois. Um, honestly, I, I like to... The way I describe it to people, Loopy, is that The Boys is modern celebrity culture if celebrities had superpowers. Because I could definitely imagine, uh, after some of the stuff we've heard about what like real celebrities are doing, uh, I could definitely imagine a Hollywood actor uh, acting the way Homelander acts. And we already know that the, there are actors out there who act the way the deep acts. Uh, you can find parallels to to all of the like modern celebrities in in these characters. Uh, but yeah, yeah, the boys is like modern celebrity culture if they all had superpowers. <laughs> and honestly, um, if you can stomach the uh, the crazy content. Uh, then I give it a hearty thumbs up. Uh, but if you have kind of a weak constitution as far as gore is concerned, uh, then I say stay away from it. I mean, yeah, on one hand, on one hand, Huey is in fact a, uh, a sweet cinnamon roll that must be protected. But on the other hand, he also blew up a bomb that had been shoved in translucence orifice. So there's that. I think Huey might actually be a little bit more psychopathic than uh, we know right now. I feel like, I feel like there's a point coming up where Huey is going to snap. Uh, I've not read the comic, so I don't know. But my in my mind, I, I'm seeing not a heel turn for Huey, but he's going to he, I, I feel like at some point he's going to find himself becoming more and more like Butcher. And I think what might end up happening is he's going to go a step beyond what even Butcher is willing to do. And at that point, that's going to be something that grounds Butcher and, and kind of brings him back to, to humanity. I don't know, though, uh, because I don't know, even if they're following the, uh, the comics. I've not spoiled a single thing, Carl. I'll have you know. Uh, the, the incident with Translucent happens, I believe, in like episode three of the first season. That's not a major twist. Uh, that's that's kind of a uh, a fairly like early thing that happens. Yeah, I if I'm not mistaken, in the comics, uh, they actually end up getting superpowers. I think, which again, spoilers, Carl, cover your ears. They don't have yet in the show. Um, but again, I don't know. But yeah, that again, 
Strongly recommend, if you can stomach it. The Boys is great. Um, a Boys RPG would be interesting. I've seen... I've seen three episodes of Doom Patrol, and I liked it. One thing that you need to know about me, though, I'm bad at watching TV shows. There are shows that I love that I have not seen. Uh, like, I'm a huge Daredevil fan. I still have not watched season three of Daredevil. I should probably fix that. I like Doom Patrol. I'm a huge DC fan. Haven't seen uh, Beyond... The first three episodes of Doom Patrol. I also haven't seen season two of Titans. And I thought that show was okay. But yeah, Doom Patrol is good. And uh, yeah, I I will at some point get back to it. I, I might break down and subscribe to HBO Max at some point. They've got a whole bunch of stuff that I want. Uh, not- most notably, they have the Snyder Cut of Justice League coming to uh, to HBO Max. I'm probably going to pull the trigger at that point. I might not have a choice in the matter. Uh, I think I have too many streaming services already that I don't use. Uh, like Disney Plus is basically just my Mandalorian service. Unfortunately, I don't have AT and T. Um, so I I have my internet's through AT and T, but I don't have a phone plan and I don't have a television plan. So uh, I, I looked into it to see if like my internet plan would get me HBO Max. It does not. Or at least the the plan that I'm on, I don't think gets uh, gets. Oh, I get it with my internet. I need to look into that. I feel like last thing I saw was that my uh, specific plan did, was not covered. Uh, like I, it did not get me a free HBO Max, but we'll see. Because if it does, I should be taking advantage of that. Because I think they have Babylon Five, and I've been wanting to watch Babylon Five. So yeah, I, I will need to look into that. Because I have AT&T internet. And if I can get that for free, or for the cost of my internet subscription, then yeah, that's that's good. Cool, well, uh, Carl, thanks for jumping in. We are actually going to be uh, headed off air here in just a little bit, because it's getting late where I am. Uh, I am turning into a pumpkin I did not know that you could get Hulu and Disney Plus for free on Verizon. Because I have Verizon. I'm learning all kinds of new things. I need to look into that. But yeah, this has been a great stream. Just kind of hanging out, talking with you guys. Um, Hanging out and and just kind of shooting the breeze uh, when my plans fell through. I thought I would come on here and just like be bitterly ranting about something, but yeah, uh, for those of you who are listening to the audio, I'm sorry for how scattered things are. Uh, again, plans fell through at the last minute, uh, but I'm glad that everyone kind of joined in and, and listened and, and contributed to the conversations. 
Uh, so yeah, if you guys are interested in just me jumping on with no plan again and, and doing something like this, uh, I will do it again for you. Uh, so guys, uh, this Saturday, I'll be reviewing Deadlands The Weird West, uh, which is now available digitally to backers. Uh, so anyone who, who backed uh, the Deadlands Weird West Kickstarter uh, will now have access to the PDFs. I'll be going over the basic rule book uh, just to uh, you know see what's what, give my opinion, and uh, you know talk about Deadlands, one of my favorite games. Uh, so we'll be doing that on Saturday next week. Let's see what I got going on next week. Oh, next week we are going to be talking to Strauss from Blades in the Dark. Or not Blades in the Dark. Uh, 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 Band of Blades. That's what we'll be doing. Yeah, so we'll be talking about uh, bands, Band of Blades... On the 5th uh, of October, which is next Monday, it'll be cool. Uh, I've been trying to get Strauss on the show for a long time, and uh, he, he finally was able to jump on. Uh, Josh from my Wednesday game, Josh Unruh, has been hounding me about getting him on. So here we go, Josh, this is for you. I hope you guys enjoy it. Uh, join us this Saturday morning as we have breakfast and talk about Deadlands. Until then, whether you rolled a 1 or a 20, I'm so glad that you guys rolled your bones with me, Ryan Howard, and I'll see you next time.